Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Communications at Stiefel, joined as always by my partner, Brian Gardner, the Chief Washington Policy Strategist, also at Stiefel in Washington, of course. Brian, it's good to, to have you. Neil, it's good to be with you. I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did, and you? Uh, yes, uh, I, I trust you had a better Thanksgiving than Zach Wilson had. Well, I mean, Zach Wilson had an easy Thanksgiving. He didn't do anything. <laughs> he sat and watched. He sat and watched someone actually do worse than he did. So it probably was a good Thanksgiving for him. He probably did feel a little bit better about himself, having seen his replacement play in what was one of the worst games I've seen in terms of boring and just hard to watch. Well, that's then that's a uh, for Jet fans that that says a lot. Yeah. Although, you know, your team's game this weekend wasn't much more exciting. But they had a W. They did have a W. They, they're they're ruining their their draft standing. But, um, yeah. but look, they, they, you know, the Giants have gotten a little bit healthier since the beginning of the season. Um, so, that you know, the, the line has stabilized a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, Tommy DeVito has come in and now has kind of a handle on being the quarterback. So it's um, it's not thrilling to watch. But um, and look, they're 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 beating bad teams. You know, they they beat the Washington Commanders. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's but that's what you got to do. You got to beat the bad teams. And who who would ever thought that the Giants and the New England Patriots would be playing unreal and considered two of the worst teams in the NFL? I know the Patriots. It's shocking to be honest with you. But maybe maybe the the key takeaway there, Brian, is that Zach Wilson needs to move back home. And have his mom do his laundry, make his bed, and cook him some chicken cutlets. And maybe we'd be looking at a different uh, quarterback. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. There is. There is. All right. Well, so we're back from the holiday, right? We've had Thanksgiving. We're back from the holiday. And maybe I'm wrong since I'm up here in New York and you're down in Washington. But things seem a little quiet down in your neck of the woods, No. Yeah, I mean, usually I come back from the holidays, the the Thanksgiving holiday over the last couple of years, come back to chaos because there's an end of the year spending bill that has to be done with the, the threat of a shutdown and other year end measures that need to be passed. But um, yeah, this is this is different. Um, the spending fight has been punted to January. So um, it, it frees up Congress to do a little bit more. And so it just doesn't have the. I don't get the sense of urgency yeah. um, that I've gotten in past years. Well, you say it frees up Congress to do a little bit more. Like what? Like so, what should, we accept, what should we expect? Yeah, the first order of business um, actually might be in the House to consider the expulsion of uh, Congressman George Santos, a Republican from New York. Um, and look, I, I think a lot of our listeners are, are, you know, would react and say, oh, it's just politics, you know, kicking out a member and doesn't have policy implications. Yes, that's true um, to an extent. Um, Republicans only have a four seat majority in the House. Yeah, it's pretty slim. Yep. So if Santos is expelled, then it's down to three. And another Republican, Bill Johnson from uh, the state of Ohio, has just accepted the the post of the presidency at Youngstown State University. And so he's going to be resigning in the near future. A date hasn't been given yet. So that would take it down to a two-seat majority. So keep that in mind for those spending fights in 2024 in January and February. Um, so th that that does have, you know, implications for uh, the policy debates. 
And then, uh, you know, once you get past the the vote on on Santos, whenever that is, I don't think it's been scheduled yet. Um, but there will be some legislation. There are th- kind of three big items that I'm looking at for Congress to address. Um, one is the foreign aid supplemental. Uh, the second is the National Defense Authorization Act, and then FAA reauthorization. So these are th- th- that'll keep Congress busy for the next three weeks before before the Christmas holiday. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned a few things there. Why don't we maybe look at each one separately and start? You mentioned the foreign aid supplemental. That's probably top of mind for most folks. Where does that stand? And so you know, I, I think people remember that a few weeks ago, President Biden asked for about a hundred billion dollars for. Uh, aid for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and U.S. water security. Um, the House subsequently passed a bill that was just aid for Israel. I think it was about $14 billion, um, offset by cuts in the IRS budget. Um, the Senate hasn't taken up that bill. It ha- hasn't taken up any bill yet. Um, it's working. Senators on a bipartisan basis are working on a broader bill. That could also include immigration reform. So the the Biden plan had money for the border, but it didn't change uh, immigration laws, and 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 the Senate is trying to work through that. Um, whether that is acceptable or not remains to be seen. Um, also, uh, some progressives want conditions on the aid to Israel um, in terms of uh, committing to peace processes and and the like. Um, so, you know, initially when when President Biden first made that request, it, it felt like it had some momentum. We, it was only a couple of weeks removed from uh, the October 7th attacks on Israel. Um, but in the, in the wake of that, nothing has happened in Washington to the Biden plan. So that momentum that seemed to be present in late October has stalled. And if Congress can't finish a, a, an aid package by the end of the year, um, it raises questions about what it can pass on aid. Um, th- that fight will only get tougher in 2024. So, um, uh, you know, so again, it's it's foreign aid, um, but it's also uh, a big domestic issue, which is border security and immigration policy. And that's yeah. a very, very touchy political subject. Yeah. Um, okay, well, then let's talk about the NDAA, which you referenced. Um, what is going on with the with that? So that, that's an annual defense policy bill, um, and it's used um, for other legislation as well because it's an annual year-end bill, a must-pass bill. Um, sponsors of other legislation look at it as a vehicle um, to, to get their bills on onto. Um, so this year, um, I guess I'm looking at uh, two separate areas um, in particular. One is export control legislation. Um, people remember that a couple of weeks ago, the Biden administration issued an executive order uh, on vetting outbound investments into China for uh, certain technology, uh, especially related to uh, national security. Congress may want to go further than what the Biden administration has put out there and actually write it into a statute. Remember, an executive order, you're just going to implement the agencies, implement it, and that can be changed rather 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 quickly yeah. something in statute you, you it 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 has more tends to have more teeth and and is more permanent more, yeah it's more complicated yeah um so there's that uh and then there's always uh, there's a package of financial services bills that their supporters are trying to attach and and it kind of runs the gamut it's a um uh of financial services one is cannabis banking which is it's probably more important to the cannabis industry than it is to the banking industry um this bill would would let 
banks and financial services firms service uh, cannabis-related companies and industries where cannabis has been, in the States where cannabis has been legalized. Uh, that's been held up for years, and they're going to make another run at it. Uh, cryptocurrency legislation. Um, the House has been working on a bill, on two bills uh, for a while. Uh, credit card legislation, something that I refer to as Durban 2.0, which um, the bill would mandate uh, uh, the number of networks that retailers would um, use uh, on credit card transactions. And uh, executive comp clawback uh, legislation related to uh, executives at failed banks. Um, so, look, I think odds are against any of these financial services bills being included in the NDAA. But at the end of the year, you never know exactly what happens. Um, things move quickly and sometimes unexpectedly. Uh, so it's something that uh, the the package either either as a whole or individually, all the bills that I mentioned, they they kind of bear watching for for year end. Makes sense. And then you also at the top when when talking about what's on the agenda, you mentioned something that I don't think we've talked a lot or maybe if at all about, which is FAA reauthor reauthorization. So why is that significant? Yeah, so you know, it, it's funny we haven't mentioned F the FAA before, but we've kind of talked about some items that could be included in it, and it, it's similar to the the um, the dynamic of the NDAA. Uh, it's a must-pass bill. The FAA has to be reauthorized every five years. It's an, not an annual exercise, but it's a must-pass piece of legislation. It's also a revenue bill. Um, you know, thinking of how Congress thinks about it, there are user fees, airport fees, and the like. Um, that are in the bill. So it could be used for tax legislation since it's already a revenue bill. Um, and that opens the door to a number of items we have discussed in the past. Um, R&D expensing, bonus depreciation, the formula used to calculate the business interest deduction. Um, there have been ongoing talks about these three items for some time. They're bipartisan talks, they're bicameral talks. The House and Senate have been, both been talking about that. And there seems to be some movement uh, in agreement on on this package. Um, but there's always, you know, other items that that could be attached and killed it. Uh, the, the any kind of agreement that might come. Uh, like I said, there's momentum in that direction. It's not there yet. But changes in the salt cap, the, the state and local uh, tax cap on the, the that deduction. Uh, other members of Congress want to expand the the child care tax credit in exchange for the corporate tax changes. So um, the 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 negotiations on that corporate pack tax package are delicate. Um, so similar to what I said on the NDAA, um, you know, it, it it's an attractive vehicle, um, and you know, it, 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 there's a chance that these things could be included. Um, at the last minute, it's a little unpredictable, um, but odds are probably against something being included. But you know, again, we, we need to really pay attention because it, it could happen unexpectedly and quickly uh, during the month of December. Yeah. Well, um, we have a little bit more time, and, and you talk about odds being something being unpredictable. What does seem predictable is on the campaign trail. We it's hard to believe, but we have the Iowa caucus coming up. I feel like in previous cycles, this would have been getting a lot more attention, maybe when the field of candidates is a little bit, they're closer together. This seems to be a runaway for Trump. Um, I, it's, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but the only challenger to Trump on the Republican side that seems to still have any air in the room is Nikki Haley. Um, well, the you agree with that? I disagree with you on that. Um, I, I know what you're saying. Um, the DeSantis folks would push back and say, look, DeSantis is in second place in Iowa. Uh, and he received uh, he received the governor's endorsement a couple of weeks ago. He uh, received the endorsement of a key evangelical leader in Iowa a couple of weeks ago. Um, the De- DeSantis people would also say that Iowa breaks late and that yeah. aren't really reflecting what they're seeing on the ground. And they, but I guess I guess my thing with him is that the expectations for him coming into the race were a lot greater. Than they were for a lot of these other challengers they, to they Trump. They were, but the, but that but that was a, six a nine lot. months ago, and yeah. the expectations have reset. So the expectation now is that it's Trump to lose, and I agree no. with that. I mean, I, I I I believe it's Trump's to lose. Um, but I think Haley and DeSantis, they're, they're the only two with a shot. Nobody else has a shot. Yeah, and I agree with. Look, it, DeSantis has put a lot of time and effort into Iowa. Um. If he can't do really well in Iowa, and I'm not talking about winning, I'm I'm talking about finishing in second, solidly, single digits behind Trump. Yeah, then then he's in a lot of trouble because he's mm-hmm. not polling well in New Hampshire, and so you know he 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 could be out of the race quickly if if um if the polls hold up, uh, the Iowa polls hold up, he could be out of the race quickly. Well, who of the two, DeSantis and Haley, who is in financially the better shape, at least as of now? I um probably Haley a little bit because um money's been moving in her direction. Yeah, so I feel like she's has a little bit of momentum. Again, nothing that would really threaten Trump. And 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 if so let me let me put out the scenario where Haley can win. Um because she has she has momentum, especially New Hampshire. She is now in second place in New Hampshire. And clearly in second place compared to the other non-Trump candidates. She's still 27 points behind, but she was over 30 points behind a couple of weeks ago. So it has narrowed a little bit. Now, so, you know, going back to Iowa, where I said DeSantis has to do particularly well. Well, what if Haley does surprisingly well? What if she's the one who surprises in Iowa and comes in a, in a strong second? She's already in second place in New Hampshire. She could use that to build momentum and, sure. and and then really shock people in New Hampshire and then carried on her home state, South Carolina, is is after that. That's still a long shot for her, even though she, it, she's the uh, the native daughter. Um, yeah. You don't say native son anymore. It's native daughter. Um, right. But, um, you know, Trump is wildly popular in South Carolina. So it, it's it, it's a high hurdle for her. But. You know, she if she if she surprises in in Iowa, then I think she can build on that momentum and maybe win. But again, these are all long shot scenarios that we're laying out. Uh, I, I think it's really Trump to lose. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been saying this for a while, Neil, and, and I and even though there's been some movement in the polls, it's pretty limited. And yeah. let me just go back you know, and, and point out, you know, uh the litigation schedule for the prosecutions against Trump. Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, uh, some of the dates are not written in stone, but one in particular, um, one of the prosecutions, um, which I, oh, I, I should have double checked this before I opened my mouth, but one of the prosecutions 
um, is scheduled. The trial st- scheduled to start on March 4th. I forget which prosecution. Mm-hmm. But March 4th. That's the day before the Super, Super, Super Tuesday primaries on March 5th. And, you know, Donald Trump couldn't ask for a bigger contribution in kind than that. That will gin up his base. Yeah. Um, so um, well, we've seen that. Yeah. Well, it'll definitely be interesting. And look, stranger things have happened. Um, and just when we think we say, oh, we've never seen this before. Yeah. We get something that we've never seen before happen. So we'll see how this all plays out. Yep, absolutely. And we'll be here. The Potomac Perspective podcast will be here to document all of it. The whole way through. All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Brian, thanks so much um, uh, for catching up with us again this time. Thank you, Neil. And thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Potomac Perspective. Take care.